We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Doster, and we finally have some news to discuss this summer regarding our UConn Huskies that does not involve the idea of leaving the Big East Conference. I don't want to talk about that. I hope that we're not going to have to talk about that anytime soon. It seems like there may be some news that we may need to discuss at some point here in the near future, but until that day actually happens, I'm going to stick with what I know, and that is UConn basketball landing a pair of commitments here in the last two weeks. We have plenty to talk about with them. Isaiah Abraham, Ahmad Noel, and it seems as if UConn is going to be in the mix for talents like Cooper Flagg and talents like A.J. DeBanza, who are both, uh, ironically enough, coming from the New England area. I don't know when the last time the two best prospects in all of high school basketball were both from New England, but that is where we are here in the year of our Lord, 2023. Um, I'm also at the end of this, I'm going to drop in some audio from a conversation that I had with John Fanta uh, about two weeks ago regarding the status of UConn's offseason and whether or not it was a success um, and kind of how that all played out. Uh, it was about 20 minutes long. I think it's an interesting conversation. I think that you will enjoy what we have to say if you not have not already heard it uh, from what was posted on YouTube. So that will be at the end of the show. That'll be the, the end of what you hear here. Um, all right. So before we get into the breakdowns of the commitments and breakdowns of the players that are joining the program, first, I just want to remind you to please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you're listening to it, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, whether it's on Spotify, whether it is on YouTube, all of that stuff really helps. We are uh, beholden to the algorithm on all of these different apps, and every time you interact with a piece of content from the Field of 68 or from Top Dogs on any of those apps, it helps. I promise it helps. If you do that, I really do appreciate you. If not, maybe next time I'll be able to convince you to hit that like button. It's not all that hard. Uh, all right. So first and foremost, on July 14th, UConn landed a commitment from Isaiah Abraham. He is a six foot seven combo forward uh, from a couple of different powerhouse programs. He plays for Paul the sixth in Virginia, and he played AAU ball for team takeover who won the EYBL and who was one of the best AAU programs in all of AAU basketball and all of grassroots basketball. He is a four-star player. He's what we would uh, refer to as a high four-star player. 
He's ranked 26th on on three. He's ranked 72nd on 247 sports, 247 sports, whatever you want to call it. He's ranked 79th on ESPN. He's ranked 69th on rivals. And he picked UConn over the likes of Marquette, Georgetown, Virginia, and Providence, which is always something that is uh, enjoyable around these parts. Um, Toughness and defensive versatility are the first things that stand out when you watch Isaiah Abraham play. He's one of these guys that is known for his ability to guard multiple positions. He's one of these guys that is known for his ability to guard up and guard down. He is what you would call a switchable defender. He is what you would call a versatile defender. He is what you might call a positionless basketball player. Um, He is a guy that can fit in a lot of different roles and in a lot of different places on a basketball court. And everybody loves those guys these days. Uh, Adam Finkelstein loves, loves, loves to say he has a junkyard dog mentality when referring to Abraham. And if you've watched Team Takeover play, um, if you watch them in the finals of the uh, the the Peach Jam, the finals of the EYBL on ESPNU, um, if you've seen anything, if you go to any of the high school basketball games in and around the D.C. area and watch Paul the Six, like that's something that really jumps off the page when you watch him play. Like the dude just works. The dude plays hard. He's got a work ethic. Um, he is a guy that I think would really fit in well to UConn basketball culture and what it's been over the course of the last two years. Um, he's not really a natural three or a natural four. He's one of these guys where, you know, 15 years ago, we would have called him a tweener and we would have said, I don't really know if he has a position. And now uh, in this day and age, those tweeners are the guys that everybody loves because he can do a little bit of both and he can guard both. Most importantly, um, like motor, toughness, defensive effort are skills in my opinion. And those are the skills that he has that he thrives with. Um, He was probably the fourth or fifth best player on team takeover, but they don't win without him. Like he's one of these connective pieces that uh, makes everything else work around him, if that makes sense. And you need guys like that. Um, He's not Andre Jackson. He doesn't have that kind of athletic ability. Um, He doesn't have that kind of passing ability. Um, he he's probably a better shooter. I would hope he's a better shooter. Um, but it, it, if you think about it in the sense that you had all of these other players in kind of specific roles and then Andre out there to do all the dirty work and do all the other stuff, um, that's kind of like what you think of when you think of Isaiah Abraham. Like he will make everything else work a little bit better because he can do all of the things that these other guys can't. Um, I do think that when you look at what UConn's forward core could end up being, uh, in 2024-25 and in 2025-26, he fits really well next to guys like Alex Caravan, like Jalen Stewart, maybe even to Jaden Ross, because those guys are more, um, they have a more traditional skill set, right? They're kind of out there because they can shoot. They're out there because they're uh, threats offensively. They're out there for being floor spacers. And when you put one of those guys Next to an Isaiah Abraham, you could play Jalen Stewart at three and Isaiah Abraham at the four and be fine. You could play Caravan at the four and Isaiah uh, Abraham at the three and be fine and be better than fine. You'd have a really good forward core there. So um, I I think that uh, he is a good fit um, in terms of what he is as a basketball player. Um, and he's very much a Dan Hurley, I'm doing air quotes, Dan Hurley guy, and that he should be able to contribute on the defensive end early. Effort will never be an issue. Work ethic will never be an issue. And I do believe that uh, when you get into that player development program, you're going to see him take strides. I think he's going to be a really good player for UConn. Um, 
offensively, extend the range out a little bit, become a better shooter, uh, be a little bit more of a more efficient downhill score, be somebody where you're strong enough if you are playing the four and or if you're playing the three and you have a smaller defender on you, you could throw the ball into him in the post and he can overpower him. Uh, maybe you get him on the elbow and he kind of rips through and gets to the rim and finishes through contact. Things like that are where he can kind of develop. And, and once you get into a college strength and conditioning program, you're probably going to be a lot better. But look, he's a cult, he's a great culture guy. He's a winning player. He's got upside talent. He is exactly what UConn likes to target. And I understand why um by Dan Hurley and his staff went after him as hard as they did and landed a commitment from him. Um, Amando well, five days later made the same decision. He announced that he is committing to UConn as well in the class of 2024. He is another four-star prospect. He's 58th on, on three. He's 36th on 24, seven. He's 30th on ESPN and he ranks 38th on rivals. He is a six foot bulldog of a lead guard. And he picked UConn over the likes of Tennessee, Auburn, and the Kentucky Wildcats. And I think the fact that he was recruited heavily by Tennessee and Auburn should kind of tell you what he is uh, as a defensive presence, right? Like he is an absolute bulldog at the point of attack. Um, he, he's built like a bowling ball. He looks like he probably could play running back uh, in a different era. Um, and, and I do think that defense is something that probably should come to him uh, relatively easy. You know, he's only a senior in high school right now, and he looks like a guy that could be playing Big East basketball tomorrow. You know, he's tough as hell. He he played at Imhotep, um, Imhotep Prep in, in, in Philadelphia, and he comes from the same team final program that sent UConn Rasul Diggins and Corey Floyd, and neither of those guys worked out, and UConn is still getting players from that AAU program. I think uh, – you can read between the lines there and, and figure out what that means. So um, he's another guy that like the, the when you're going to circle the first thing on the scouting report form, it's like competitiveness, it's toughness, it's work ethic. Uh, the one thing I remember Adam Finkelstein saying this about him um, to me is that he's like a self-made offensive player, right? There's guys where you think of uh, everybody probably is self-made, but he's a guy where you've seen in the last couple of years and become someone that's really efficient on that end. Um, he shot 41% from three on the EYBL circuit. He had a 2.5 to one assist to turnover ratio on the EYBL circuit. Um, and I think that he is a player that, can play both on the ball as a point guard and off the ball as someone that can kind of space the floor a little bit. And that's important because uh, with Tristan Newton and Cam Spencer gone, I, I do think that he, the most likely scenario when he gets there and maybe even his second season is that he's going to be playing alongside solo ball. And, you know, if it doesn't end up being a one and done uh, Stephen castle. And that's relevant because both of those players are bigger guards they're both guys that are um, more effective with the ball in the hand, their hands, maybe than having the ball not in their hands. Uh, and I think that Noel is somebody that should fit really well alongside either of those guys because he could play the point if you need him to. You could play him off the ball as a second side creator, as someone that spaces the floor for Stefan Castle or Solo Ball, for example. Uh, but he's also someone that is unequivocally. Um, a point guard and a point of attack defender on the defensive side of the ball, which is not what you would consider solo ball and Stephen Castle. So the skill sets there 
Um, both work really, really well. I, I don't think that Amon Noel is a guy that we're going to be talking about as like a two and done NBA player, unless he turns into Kyle Lowry, which like, I don't think is out of the question. Um, but he is like, to me, like a, like a three year college guy that is going to be a really, really, really good guard for the Yukon Huskies. Um, and, and frankly, like both of these guys, I really think really fit what Yukon is targeting and, and, and fit the kind of player um that they want in their culture and in their program right like neither of these are going to be the most buzzy commitments uh Cooper Flags a buzzy commitment AJ DeBont is a buzzy commitment like Amon Noel and Isaiah Abraham are really 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 good players and really really good commits but they're not the kind of thing that is going to uh it's not going it's not like Stephen Castle it's not going to drive NBA scouts to to find a way to get to stores 10 times a season they'll be there but it's not necessarily because of Noel and Isaiah Abraham are going to be there if that makes sense but the reason they work is because these guys like when you talk to people about them the things that stand out are kind of the intangibles and the things that they can control right their work ethic their toughness their versatility the fact that they're from winning programs the fact that they're winning basketball players and one thing that I think that you can say about UConn's coaching staff is that they are as good, if not better, than anybody in college basketball when it comes to identifying the players that are going to work within the framework of what they want the program to be. Like in the last three years, how many guys have they really missed on? You know, they brought in like, what is it, 15 and, and maybe 10 of those guys have been hits, right? That's a pretty good percentage when you look across college basketball as a whole. So um, I think both of these guys are good commitments. I understand why both why the staff went after both of them very hard, and I understand why uh, those are guys that they accepted commitments from and made priorities in this recruiting class. So um, I, I really like them both. I think that they're going to be there for uh, for a while. I think they are guys that we need to get to know and get get used to, and I think they're going to be very very good players. I'm excited about them. I think they're great uh, great gets. Right. Everyone loves to say great kids, but I think they're great kids and they're great fits. Our partner for today's episode is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 during the college basketball season, and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee in the morning guy, but by the time that the afternoon would hit, I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. And man, that could not be more true. It's nearly impossible to eat and drink in a healthy manner in the month of February and the month of March when you are in my business. And AG1 was exactly the supplement that I needed to improve my gut health and cover my nutritional bases for the day. I've continued that into April. I've continued that into May, and I'm going to continue that the rest of the summer. All I have to do is mix a scoop of AG1 with some water or maybe add it into a smoothie and I'm ready to go. Do it after lunch and you'll be ready to go for the rest of the day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com backslash field68. That's field68, F-I-E-L-D, the number six, the number eight, and you can get yours now. So check it out and help support this show. Thanks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mentioned Buzzy Commitments, Cooper Flag, and AJ DeMazza. Both of those guys would be incredible, incredible players to land if you are the UConn basketball program. Um, Cooper Flag is the guy that that's kind of taken over the mantle as the best prospect in high school basketball uh, for a lot of very good reasons, not the least of which are these insane quadruple-double stat lines that he's putting up playing 16U basketball on the UIBL circuit um, down at Peach Jam. Uh, and for my money, I actually think A.J. DeBonsa is – the best uh, prospect in high school basketball. I think he is an absolute killer. I'll get into why in a little bit. Um, Cooper flag is the one that I think you need to talk about a little bit more early on, because it seems uh, at this point in his recruitment, the guy that maybe has a little bit of a better chance to end up at UConn. Now, depending on, depending on who you ask, um, most people think that Duke is either the lean or, the heavy favorite or the team that is going to get them in, and and there's a without question. I think with the, I think as a consensus across the board in the recruiting industry, if you had to pick somewhere that Cooper Flag ended up, I would be very surprised if there was anyone that didn't say I probably do right. But I also don't think that this is something where uh, Cooper Flag has quite made the decision. It's just you know part of his connecting the dots. Part of it is that a superstar white basketball prospect. Guys like that tend to end up playing at Duke. And part of it is that Cooper Flag looks exactly like John Shire. Seriously, look at them. They could be brothers. I'm dead serious. Look at two pictures of them side by side. I've seen them in the same room, so I know that they are not the same person. But if I didn't see them in the same room, I wouldn't be 100% convinced that they are not the same person. Um, What makes Flag special as a player at this level is also something that concerns me a little bit when it comes to him moving up. And, and so I'm going to nitpick a little bit here. I want to be very clear about something, right? Like what Cooper flag did at peach jam this summer was the most impressive performance I've ever seen at peach jam. I've been going to peach jam for a decade. He is a fantastic basketball prospect that deserves all of the accolades that he gets I would have him as the number one player in the 2025 class if and when he decides to reclassify, which is something that uh, if I were a betting man, I would probably wager on him to do. He is born um, on December 21st, which means that he is uh, he was born 10 days before the cut line for the 2025 NBA draft. So if he reclassifies into the class of 2024, he will be eligible to be drafted in 2025, whereas someone like Cameron Boozer is eight months younger, he will not be eligible to to be drafted in 2025, which is why he's going to stay in the class of 2025 in all likelihood. Um, 
so flag the way that he plays one it's it was really interesting that so he played 16u this year and the reason he played 16u this year is because his program main united is not uh it's not like team takeover where they have like a 14u 15u 16u 17u a b team b team all these other pro like it is his aau team that is there because cooper flag lives in maine and as good as his twin brother is like there's that, that team is not really good enough to play at the 17 U level. Even if Cooper flag is like they, the reason they even made it to the finals was Cooper flag was averaging like 30 points, 20 boards, 10 blocks and eight assists. Um, so he's got to do everything for him. And you know, it, it's what he is great at is on the defensive end. Like he, he's one of the most impactful rim protectors I've ever seen. And he is a guy that is six foot nine. He's an incredible athlete. He has a knack for being able to throw the ball off the backboard to himself for a dunk. Like he's got these great second leap abilities. He really has incredible timing when it comes to blocking shots. And he draws a lot of comparisons to Andre Kirilenko on that end of the floor. But he's 6'9". Andre Kirilenko was like 6'11", almost 7 foot with shoulders that were out to here, right? And if Cooper Flag does not add another inch or two in his growth. I wonder as he moves up levels, whether or not he will be able to have that same impact as a rim protector, whether or not he can be a five and and, and play that role as a rim protector, because I don't think that he is someone as he continues to move up levels that is necessarily going to be able to be as effective uh, as a primary ball handler and playmaker. Like the, the kind of like dribbling, like, crossover between legs, crossover between the legs, step back, hit a three, like all the stuff that he does. Like, I'm not sure if that works as you continue to move up levels and continue to play against better competition and continue to play against, frankly, strong, tough as hell, athletic as hell, six foot five guys that can climb up in you as a defender. And um, so I'm a little bit concerned there. That's not to say he can't do it. That's to say I need to, I kind of want to see it happen and I need to see how he figures out how to adjust. Like he is a fantastic prospect that I think will have a little bit more trouble adjusting as he moves up levels than someone like a Cameron Boozer, whose uh, whose profile is that like we know him. Like he's but ba- he's Paolo Bancaro part two more or less, right? We know what he is. We know what he can be. We've seen it work. We've seen it at the NBA level. And the one thing I would say is, and I'm going to throw some insane names out here. Please, like, do not overreact to it. But like. Somebody like a Kevin Durant, somebody like a Zion Williamson, someone like a Victor Wembanyama, these players that we don't, we haven't seen their prototype before, and they're just fucking awesome. Sometimes those guys are just fucking awesome, and that's the what it's going to be, and that's the way that they're going to play, and that's who they're always going to end up being. So um, he's an exciting, exciting prospect, and if he ends up at UConn, it would be unbelievable. I would say uh, that. Right now, I would say like a better than 50% chance that it ends up being Duke. And if it's not Duke, there's a better than 50% chance that it's UConn. But I, 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 if that makes sense, like I, I think that UConn is still an underdog, but you know, I wouldn't count them out. I wouldn't count them out at this point because I do think that Cooper flag wants to get recruited. So um, he'll be really interesting, but DeBonsa is the guy, man. DeBonsa is the dude. He is, uh, a rising sophomore. He was class of 2026. Um, he's actually the, he's basically the same age as Cameron Boozer as the Boozer twins. 
So like he'll end up reclassifying. He'll be class of 2025 when things are all uh, said and done, just because he's old enough. He's old enough to get drafted in the 2026 draft. So when you, when, when that happens, like you reclassify and he's good enough to be able to do it. Like he is six foot nine windmills with ease between the leg dunks with ease um terrific shooter really understands how to get to his spots like he can he is everything you want out of a three level score he is everything that you want out of uh, a versatile switchable defender like he he's just such a stud and because he's so athletic and because he's such a weapon offensively like i i think that he has an incredibly high floor as a player and the position that he plays is precisely the position that the NBA values more than anything else in the modern game. Like he is a versatile, big power wing in the mold of like a Paul George's Paul George's kind of a guy, right? And I hesitate to throw out comparisons like that because I think as we learned with the Imbani Bates saga is. It's so, so, so damaging to uh, to start locking in these guys as as future superstars when they are this young. And I don't I don't want to do it anymore. I don't like doing it. Um, what I will say is that, like, if everything comes together for Debonsa, I, I mean, he's got a chance to be unbelievable. He's got a chance to be so much fun. And he seems like a really like down to earth, normal kid I, I don't think that he has necessarily been affected by the fact of his like just how good he could end up being so it'll be really really exciting to watch him develop and he's another guy like if he ends up at UConn man like that we're gonna have fun Dan Hurley's gonna have fun Luke Murray's gonna have fun if if he's still there and, and come on he's gonna like that that whole staff is gonna have a great great time scheming up ways for uh for to find for AJ Devonsa to score because there's a lot of ways that you're gonna be able to do it. That dude is what we call special. Now his um his recruitment is a little bit more difficult to kind of peg because he's heading into his sophomore year and there's different rules for kids that are that young. But um I that's one where like I think G League Ignite is gonna be kind of heavy in the mix. I wouldn't be surprised to see him be one of these guys that like his two years there. Uh so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But both of those two, they're just, they are so damn good. And in this moment in time, when UConn is back on the map as a national powerhouse, when they are the reigning national champions with a top 10 team coming back, when they sent three guys to the NBA in 2023, with another two, maybe three in Klingon and Castle and potentially Alex Caravan that could end up uh, being um, being drafted in 2024. Like, this is a good time for Cooper Flag to be sitting here being like, hey, you know what? UConn, they, they send guys to the league too. It's a good time to be showing AJ DeBance of the, the All-American wall they got up in there. And speaking of the wall, like, I touched on this a little bit in the uh, – in the in the audio I'm about to play with Fanta, but um, I think that that I think the most important player on UConn's team this year is going to end up being Samson Johnson, and I, I think that he is like once you get past the fact that like yes Donovan Kling is going to be an All American, and yes you need a great point guard in Tristan Newton, and yes like adding Cam Spencer was just so important, and yes Alex Caravan is everything you want out of a four man in college basketball. 
what made UConn so good last season was that they were able to get 27 minutes of Adama Sanogo playing as hard as he possibly can and then get 13 minutes of Donovan Klingon playing as hard as he possibly can. And you didn't have a drop-off. What you ran into the year before was that you needed to play Adama 38 minutes. And with big guys, like once they hit that wall, they hit that wall. There's not really much else you're going to be able to get from them. Like once they're 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 gassed, they are gassed. And uh, being able to have two guys that can rotate, made sure they didn't run out of gas. Samson Johnson has all the potential in the world. If he can find a way to make it work this year and give UConn 10, 12, 14 minutes of really, really good minutes, maybe something to average. It's like he didn't really need to average more than like five points, five boards, a couple blocks, but like be impactful. Go get some offensive rebounds. Go commit some fouls. Go catch a couple dunks. Like just fly around, be 6'10 and athletic as fuck. Like if you can do that for 14 minutes a game, have an impact on the game, like that's that's what they need out of Samson Johnson. So if he can do it this year, I think it's just, it's so important. And um, I, I will be fascinated to see if he actually pulls it off. Uh, listen, this has been the episode of top dogs. We're going to roll in that audio now with me and Fanta. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been a fun summer to be a UConn fan. It's been a fun summer to, uh, to listen to people try to argue with you on Twitter. It's been a fun summer to kind of follow along with this growth, the growth of this program. I think it's in a really good spot, whether or not that spot is in the big East or the big 12. Hopefully we won't have to have an emergency podcast about that over the course of the next, uh, week or so so without further ado my man john fanta welcome to another edition of the field of 68's college basketball off-season grades and we are talking about the defending national champion connecticut huskies who better to talk about that with than the host of the top dogs podcast than the man rob doster I'm John Fanta, and let's talk about the Huskies coming off their fifth national title, Rob. You have the high of winning a national championship, and all signs point to the UConn Huskies only accelerating into the 2023-24 season. Yeah, I'm really excited about what this team's going to end up being. I think that, uh, look, they lose a lot of important pieces. They lose the three guys that were the leaders for the program and the leaders in the locker room, they lose three guys that are, frankly, NBA basketball players. Andre Jackson was the second-round pick. Jordan Hawkins was a lottery pick, and Adamo Sonogo is. He's on a two-way right now. He'll play his way into the league. Trust me on that one, Fanta. Um, but I like what they got coming in. I like the pieces that they bring back. You know I love Donovan Klingon, and I think Cam Spencer, we'll get to this in a little bit, is going to be an incredible addition for this team. So you brought up a couple of those departures and an overarching look. Again, departed. Andre Jackson Jr., Adama Sonogo, Jordan Hawkins. So you lose your your three best players from last year's team. Joey Calcaterra, Naheem Aline, who now is in the St. John's uniform. Those are the major departures, the newcomers. Here's what's new. What's new is a top five recruiting class in the country. What's new is Stephen Castle's going to come into Connecticut and, and light the world on fire by all accounts. He's ranked number 12 uh, in the ESPN 100. You look at any recruiting service they're going to have castle very high up there solomon ball top 35 recruit another guy that should help on the perimeter jalen stort Jaden ross part of that loaded recruiting class and then of course cam spencer came at, at a at a crucial time where uconn was trying to find somebody to help on the perimeter they made the Rutgers transfer a priority he had game winners at purdue and at northwestern last year really helped Rutgers. 
what have you made of of the roster management of what they've got here in this offseason and what they can be? You know, it was – I love the recruiting class coming in. I think they have a guy in Stephen Castle and, like, low-key a guy in Jalen Stewart that can come in and, and kind of impact right away. Do not be surprised if Stewart has a big freshman year uh, a la Alex Caravan um, last season. The, the staff likes him. He's lost some weight. He's lengthy. He's bouncy. He could shoot it. Uh, a really good just kind of solid role piece. Solo ball is going to be good in a couple years. Um, he's – uh, I would say if you put him on like a similar trajectory to James Booknight and uh, and Jordan Hawkins in terms of coming good as a freshman, really good as a sophomore, might be until his junior year. He's a long term guy, and Stephen Castle is just a stud, like six seven athletic point guard gets wherever he wants to go. Uh, but to me, Cam Spencer is the guy. And to be honest, John, if you remember all the way back in like April, the the consternation. Among uh, among the good folks in the Nutmeg State, when Nick Timberlake decided not to go to UConn and decided to go to Kansas instead, how uh, concerned they were. Things work out for a reason, I guess, because Cam Spencer is a better basketball player than Nick Timberlake. All due respect, Timberlake, you're getting a guy that averaged 13 points, three assists, and 40-something percent from three while playing in the Big Ten at Rutgers at a very slow pace. He's a good team defender. Um, he's tough. He is competitive as hell. Like you said, he's made big shots. And he is, I think, a better all-around basketball uh, player than people realize, even though I don't know if he can actually dunk. So I think he's coming in. He he filled a role that they very specifically needed, a 3 and D guy, a floor spacer. You put him on the floor with Tristan Newton. You put him out there with Donovan Klingon, who I think is going to shoot some threes this year, by the way, and Alex Caravan. All of a sudden, you got four shooters, you got floor spacers, you got length, you got athleticism, you got guys that can guard. I, I don't know how much more you could ask in terms of what this team brought in. And most importantly, you, you got to have somebody that can be the engineer of all that, and they bring their point guard back. And Tristan Newton, over the last month, month and a half, two months of the season, was dynamite, Rob. I mean, when they took off in February, when Connecticut took off, remember Newton had a triple-double, two triple-doubles in the same season, by the way. The way that he was comfortable, he played with a chip on his shoulder. Because remember, we got to January, and, and all of you listening and watching, myself included, I think everybody said, eh. You know, they brought in this kid from East Carolina. And, and frankly, it's been a mixed bag. He took that personally. You could feel in the NCAA tournament, Rob, how personally Newton felt that he had to own it, that he had to be that guy that was leading the way of point guard. Look at what he did in the national championship game. Look at what he did in their NCAA tournament run. He was absolutely elite. And, and I feel like it just took him a little bit of time to fully become that Connecticut point guard. There's going to be no needing some time here heading into this season. Having him back, his return, I know it was expected, but that you can't overstate what it means like a Kansas having Dewan Harris back as much as he means to that team. I, I just I don't think you could say enough good things about Tristan Newton because it's a guy, what, he's going to play 30-plus minutes a game and he's going to run your point guard position and you're never going to have to worry about your point guard spot. Yeah, and, and by the end of last season, um, what UConn was doing was when things would get down to the end of a clock or they had a little bit of uh, uh, game pressure on them, 
they stopped running their stuff and they just kind of said, all right, give the ball to Tristan and get out of the way. They did that for like the last six minutes down the stretch of the San Diego State National T- uh, Championship game win. And it went from being a game where San Diego State was putting a little bit of game. Pre- I think they cut it to five and then UConn yeah. just pulled away down the stretch. So um, his development into the go-to guy was huge. I think that the addition of uh, Stephen Castle should take some pressure off of him. Um because, I mean, look, Stephen Castle is really good at getting into the lane and creating and firing passes around. And he's got the size to see over people, but he's not really a scorer. And Tristan Newton, for uh, all the good that he does as a, a lead guard, is he's more wired to kind of get a bucket, whether it's a step back three, step behind a screen, get into the lane to shoot one of those floaters. Like Once he kind of figured out how to use his strength and his size to his advantage, in the Big East, like he became a very, very good player. It was a confidence that like he was he was so good down the stretch. So, I'll give you give my take. First off, I agree with you totally. And and Dan Hurley, by the way, that I keep remembering this statement. I said to him that I in the national championship game in the hallway back in November. You said you you felt your team had a shot, a shot to be special. What made you believe then? that then became reality to, to win a national title. And he literally said, he goes, I knew Sonogo, I knew Hawkins, I knew Jackson. It, it really came down to the Tristan piece. And he goes, Newton fully coming into the fray and, and performing to the level that he performed, that's what did it for me. I'm going to give you this take, and I want to get your thoughts because we, we turn to expectations now. I think what this team ends up doing gets defined by just how great I, I think he's going to be great but is he the most dominant post presence in the land or second or third it, like how great Klingon is for me can then speed UConn to maybe going back to back final fours I don't think that's out of the equation I think that's the unknown like we all know he's going to be great we, we all know he's poised for that big leap but is it national player of the year ask Rob is that on the table so here's here's my take. And, is that and unfair? I'll, yeah. Um, for Klingon, I, I probably yes, because I think like Zach Eady is awesome and Hunter Dickinson is my preseason national player of the year. I just as much as I love Klingon, I don't think he can get to that level. Um, but I don't think like calling him uh first or second team all American is something that is out of the question. What I'll say is this. So I'll I'll get to the expectations in a second. I would say that the X factor for this team uh this season is going to be Samson Johnson. And the reason that I say that is if you watch Sampson play, he is, look, Hurley said it for two years now, two years in offseason, that Sampson Johnson has wall potential. And what that means is he can be on, like, the Hall of Fame, All-American, like, the the wall of, like, Ray Allen, Kemba Walker, uh, Adama Sonogo, Jordan Hawkins, guys like that level. He has the talent to be that guy. And what made UConn so dangerous last year was that you could play a Donald Sonogo for 27 minutes and Donovan Klingon for 13 minutes. No one got tired. You didn't have a drop off at the five spot and no one had to worry about fouls. No one had to worry about anything. You just go out there you play your balls off for the time that you're on the floor and you can, and, and it works. And if Samson Johnson can be that guy that can give you 12 minutes a game of uh, running around, blocking shots, getting some rebounds, catching some lobs, switching if you have to, just being a guy where you, there is 
uh, obviously there's going to be a drop off from from Klingon, but as if there's not that much of a drop off where it's not you're playing him because you have to, as opposed to like he's earning those minutes and he's he's fighting for minutes. If that makes sense, uh, if Samson Johnson can be that guy, then I think UConn has a chance to repeat. Um, my expectation wow. for him would be like, look, you got to be you got to be in the top two or three in the Big East, right? The way that whoever wins that league, UConn, Marquette. Maybe Creighton is going to come down to like who has the best uh, luck with health, who doesn't have a guy go down for the sprained angle for a month. You got to be in the mix there. Um, make a run, get to the final the, the title game of a Big East tournament and make a run of the tournament. Get to the second weekend. Maybe you got a chance at a final four. Uh, they are that good. They are top five team in America to me with Cam Spencer. And that's what my like you got to be in the mix. You got to be in the national conversation. Top four, five, six, seven, eight throughout the entire season. That'll put you in the mix and win a Big East title. That'll put you right there to win a Big East tournament. And if you're that good, you got a chance to repeat. And uh, that's what my expectation would be. Win one thing. Let's win one thing, Fanta. How about that? I'm with you. I mean, it's hard to, but like, you also have to normalize expectations. And and I understand every Connecticut fan expects to win the national championship at the start of every year. That's why we love you, UConn fans. <laughs> it's why you're the best. And honestly... Honestly, it's not an unfair expectation. I mean, they've got a good enough team to do it. I think we're all high on Klingon. That's why I asked you the question, and I'm with you. I'm with you for the record. I'm asking the question to, to be to be you know to create some buzz. I think that Edie and Dickinson would be more positioned, but like the way that that Klingon could could evolve, the the player he can turn into, it's just it's got so. There's so much to like about Donovan. He is the perfect UConn player. He takes great pride in playing for the program. The guy's work ethic is through the roof. He could play above the rim endlessly. You have a point guard. You've got mm-hmm. getting Spencer's huge for shooting. So uh, my expectations are absolutely they they could go back to a Final Four. I always say this, you know, it's once you get to the Final Four, like anything, folks, anything can happen. Once you get to the NCAA tournament, anything can happen. So. I'm not gonna. I don't think that, like, once you get to the final four, when people are like, oh, they could get to a final four, but I don't think they could win at all. Shut up. They got to the final four. If they won four games, they can win two more. Like, don't say my expectation is final four, but they can't win at all. No, if you can make the final four, of course you could repeat. So that's why the expectations are what they are. Let's turn to offseason grades. What grade do you hand out, Professor Doster, for the Yukon Huskies? Uh, I'm going to give them an A minus. I don't think that you really could have expected Jordan Hawkins or Andre Jackson to come back. Um, I think that getting Adama Sonogo back would have been a home run. I don't think that it was ever realistic that you were going to have both Adama and Donovan Klingon on the same roster for a second season in a row, uh, given how given how good um, Klingon has a chance to end up being. Uh, so you get Klingon back at the five, you get Tristan Newton back, and then you go out and you add the uh, the best piece that you could have added at the two guard spot that they wanted to. I'll give it an A minus. I can understand that some people would be lower because Sonogo was a two way and could have come back. Uh, but I just don't I don't think that you were going to get both of those guys back on the same roster for a second straight season. So uh, I will give them an A minus and maybe that's just a homer grade, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm at you. I'm I'm with you. I. I don't understand why you would give them anything below a B plus, but I'm going to give them an A minus as well. And I'll give them an A minus because they have their point guard back. 
they recruited a great class. It's like, look, if you're going to recruit a top five to 10 recruiting class, you're not going to load up in the portal when you have that caliber of a group coming in. Mm-hmm. There's only so many minutes on the floor. You have to go about this with balance. I think they did. Rob, I think they, before Cam Spencer, I probably would have said B+. plus. When they get him and they get a guy who's averaged over 13 points per game in the Big Ten, understands clutch shot making, understands, like, who do you, we always say with transfers, who are you coached by? The, Steve Peichel coaches toughness. He coaches IQ. He's really good. I mean, he's a UConn guy, too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love this. I think this was a great pickup. I give Connecticut an A- minus as well in the offseason. Any final thoughts? It's going to be a great year to be in stores, Connecticut, once again. It's going to be fun. That schedule, too, is loaded. A couple of garden appearances. You get Gonzaga on the books. It's UConn's schedule is going to be a monster, and it's going to be a blast watch. A trip to Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas. Expectations (laughs) high. The people in the basketball capital of the world wouldn't have it any other way. That does it. UConn. They're off-season grade, an A-minus here as we roll on on the field of 68.